Whether acknowledged or not, you find yourself engaged in a relentless spiritual war. Irrespective of your awareness, an unseen adversary seeks to destroy you, not only in this life, but also in the next. Regardless of your location on this planet, you reside in a fiercely contested battlefield, and escaping this conflict feels impossible. Welcome to Truth and Shadow, your guide through the supernatural. I am your host, BT, and this is a Shadow Short. Let's navigate the unknown on this brief journey into the depths of mystery. Greetings, listeners. This Shadow Short is part of a conversation that I had with Dr. Judd Burton about the troubles and the issues that are going on with the southern border of the United States. I find that now is an important time to talk about some of the supernatural aspects associated with what's been going on in the southern United States. We talked about Pan mm-hmm. being a goat, and we talked about the satyrs. So we've got goat gods that are associated with basically sex and debauchery. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and then on the other hand, we have the bulls. Mm-hmm. The bulls of Bashan, Moloch, and these are entities that seem to be associated with child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're dealing with this massive influx of people coming through the southern border and there's a big child trade Mm -hmm. going on and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people speaking about that Mm -hmm. and it seems that the same entities that really enjoyed child sacrifice are here bathing in the blood of the sacrificed children in this uh, disgusting dark sinister force inspired communion of the dead certainly and they've done it on both sides of the law they found a good place to ensconce themselves because we sanitized the uh, the rituals of Moloch under the under the laws of abortion. Yeah, and um, via you know on the other side of the law via uh, child child trafficking, whether it's labor trafficking or sex trafficking or, or for ritual abuse, all of those go. On. You you don't really find a whole lot of those unassociated uh in the trade and um no it's it's easy for people to to not not deal not address it or not deal with it if it's not impacting your life directly in some way fact the matter is is that it's it's quantifiable um you know i i I used to live in mcallen texas down on the border and uh mcallen's about 10 miles from the mexican border and the, the college that i taught at every year hosted a, a, a scholarly conference on child trafficking because that's one of the biggest corridors uh, for that down there. So it's it's a real quantifiable thing. But often what doesn't get discussed is the dark spiritual anchoring. 
that so much of this is tied to. Yeah, the the territorial, mm-hmm. domin- the dominions and the principalities, mm-hmm. like Paul had said, we fight mm-hmm. against. But it's not merely, you know, this this particular thing. I had read a really interesting article written by a Catholic exorcist who attributes uh, the Baphomet now mm-hmm. as the god of abortion and child sacrifice, mm-hmm. as uh, he experienced, I guess, in some kind of exorcism mm-hmm. that he had partaked in. And that's a really interesting thing because we're seeing this being used most most of the time being used, oddly enough, by the Church of Satan. But That's interesting that the that he says that the Baphomet is, is becoming associated with it because usually on the Baphomet sigil, um, the Hebrew letters on the outside of the Baphomet spell Leviathan. And Leviathan, of course, is, is chaos. It's the it's it's Tiamat in, in Mesopotamian mythology. Arguably, that's that's who's present in the first couple of verses in Genesis because you have the Tohu and the Bohu, mm-hmm. the formlessness and the void. Tohu being actually derived from the Akkadian Tiamat. Doug Van Dorn and I are working on a book right now on the Serpent Mound of Bashan, which is south of of the region we're talking about. It's still in the same vicinity. Um, very proximate to the will of the giants, the Gilgal Raphaim. Mm-hmm. Um, but amongst some of the other things that Doug and I have been digging into uh, is the fact that the Gilgal Raphaim, because it's so close to the Serpent Mount, may be a sort of, of stylized Ouroboros, um, which is the, the circular symbol of a snake eating its tail. It's a very ancient prehistoric symbol. And that, in essence, is what you have on the Baphomet symbol with the Leviathan ringing the uh, the upside down pentagram. But what's what's what what struck me as you were talking about that is that um, the uh, circular symbol, and in fact the serpent, whether it's whether it is articulated and extended or coiled up, um, is a, a it's a symbol of of fertility. It's a symbol yes. of, particularly in the Ouroboros form, it represents the cycle of, of birth, life, death, and rebirth. Well, the the creation of the symbol came from this guy. He was a friend. He was a priest, Catholic priest, uh, Alfonso is Constant. He changed his name to Eliphas Levy, probably as yes. a pseudonym. That's right. Yeah, and he he was dissatisfied with the Catholicism of the day. And he, he basically, if he read Marx, he would have completely bought Karl Marx's socialism Mm -hmm. and sinker because he's like, I need to create a symbol that really represents this. And he came up with the Baphomet, which has then been taken by the kind of the new age, not really the new age movement, kind of this occult re enlivening period in the 1930s, forties and sixties. Which, you know, you brought up the Serpent Mound, which is interesting because we have one in Ohio. Oh, yes. Not, not merely just that one. There's there's mounds all over the place. And there's one particular guy, Charles Manson, who was in prison in one of these prisons that was built on top of a burial mound. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of when he was this manipulative person that he became, whatever inspired him. And he got out of prison, he moved to Southern California and took up residence in a place we now call Laurel Canyon, mm-hmm. speaking of sacred geometry or uh, sacred geography. Yeah. 
lots of interesting connections between all of the ideas that bounce around just because of the time before time, the time immemorial when the Tohu and the Vohu card started kicking off and then the Nephilim come and Certainly. You know, um, I mean, th- this is this is one of the pressing issues for the church today. You know, whatever whatever bent of Christianity a person, maybe whether they're Protestant evangelicals or Catholics or, or Orthodox, th- this should be front and center in terms of, of the concern. And, I, you know, over the last decade, I know that the Roman Catholic Church has been training more exorcists while most of, of evangelical Protestantism has been sort of asleep at the wheel when it comes to this kind of material. Yes, absolutely. And one of the major things is the, the, the exorcists need to get over is it's not really just fallen angels they're dealing with. Right. And unfortunately, that's all they think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's probably Aquinas or Augustine's fault. Well, and it's, I mean, it's a, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's, that's the Protestant position as well too because I mean all the reformers uh, you know Zwingli and Calvin and Luther and all, all those guys they all that was the the theory that they subscribed to as well that demons were fallen angels and, and who was it that said that he said that demonology is the shadow of theology interestingly enough that was Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, who said that I'm trying to remember the essay that he wrote that in um but it, I, it it does encapsulate what demonology is. It's it's not there are really two parts to demonology. It's there's there's the ministerial aspect of it, um, which is framed against the gospel. You know, we, we do that because Jesus did it. It was part of his ministry, and and the apostles and and the, and the apostles and and everybody. people who weren't even following him. They they said these guys over here cast out demons in your name, and Jesus is like don't stop them. Exactly. Yeah. So. But then there's, if it were just that, then it would just be, you know, it would be the purview of the deliverance minister or the exorcist or or whomever. Right. But demonology also encompasses a scholarly facet. In other words, it's, it's the, it's the theology, it's the history, it's the ethnology that goes along with the study. And psychology, psychology is a big part because these guys are an intellect now. That's right. And that's pure becomes, intellect, yeah. Right. That's something that um, Kurt Koch used to, he wrote a lot about um, back in the 70s and the 80s. In fact, he was one of the first psychiatrists, um, ordained, ordained, he was an ordained minister as well, um, that I ever learned, you know, he was writing about, you know, what a challenge it was oftentimes to discern between the disease and the demonic, and that ultimately, in many cases, the two are linked integrally, which is again something that you see in in the ministry of Jesus and the apostles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a priest. His name's Father Chad Ripperger. He wrote a like a 600 page book on the psychology of demons called Dominion. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a hefty book to throw at somebody. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. He's a Thomistic. And he's a psychologist. He's uh, his degree is in psychology, and so he's written at length on human psychology. And he took his opportunity as an exorcist to do the same for demons. Mm-hmm. With it being a, a scholarly, we looking at these things. You know, we could read about them 
we can write about them, we can talk about them, but ultimately people are dealing with entities, be them shadow people, hap men. I hear all sorts of things, uh, vampire sightings, werewolf sightings, all of these things. But there's got to be a beacon of hope. And I believe that we have the authority within our own vocation, if you will, mm-hmm. over our own, you know, our own responsibilities, pray over our children, pray over our spouse. Mm-hmm. What kinds of encouragement would you say to the audience? There's such a measure of grace that's given to us, even in the darkest of times. Um, for people who are under the pall of this kind of darkness, there, there's it sounds cliche to say it, but there's hope in Jesus. That there's there's deliverance in Jesus. And as believers, when we're oppressed, you know, we can think of we're so sheltered here in the West. We really, really don't know how good we had it. We've never seen something like you know the great persecution under Diocletian, or you know the martyrdom of Christians that's taking place in you know, in countries in Asia right now. Mexico, Africa. Mexico, Africa. Yeah, exactly. Um, And in in some respects, although although less so every day, it seems like we're removed from, you know, having to directly battle uh, these entities. But when we do, the victory ultimately has already been won by Christ. He's already given notice to these entities. We have to but submit, as it says in the book of James, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And therein is con- is contained the the basic truth of reversing whatever it is, whether it's an outside oppression or, or whether it's a possession, whether you whether a person needs, whether it's something they can pray about themselves or they need to seek their minister or their priest or what have you. There's there's always an out. What these forces want to do is to take the opportunity away from people to be part of the family of God, because that's ultimately what God wants. That's that's where all this redemptive stuff from Eden through Jesus to the end end of the world. That's what all this is about is God expanding his family. And the only way that these fallen entities from the highest of the fallen Elohim to the lowliest of the demons, the only way that they can get back at God is to take away members of his family, take away the the opportunities for people to become members of his family. Thank you for listening. This is a free podcast based upon the value for value model. If you find value in this or any episode, you can return that value by liking the show, subscribing to this channel, leaving a review, or sharing with a friend on your social media accounts. You can also donate on my website. Thank you again. This is BT for Truth and Shadow Podcast. You are the light in the darkness.